listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and we're doing a whole series of interviews with ATF special agents and their canine companions. That takes me to my rant of the week. In today's world, scary bad guys do their best to get away with murder, sometimes literally. They'll use guns, bombs, uh, and do more than just dirty business, and then they try to hide the evidence. Literally, they try to. The ATF Explosives Detection Canine is a graduate of the ATF's 10-week Explosive Detection Training Program and has been conditioned to detect all of these things. So as a bonus, because of their conditioning to smokeless powder and other explosive filters, ATF-trained explosives detection canines can detect firearms and ammunition hidden in containers and vehicles on people, even buried underground. Literally, these dogs have a nose for trouble that helps law enforcement catch violent criminals and put them away. So come, sit, stay, and we'll be right back with my guest, Special Agent Chris Bombardier, and his explosives detection canine, Ithaca, after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home, 
with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. And please help me welcome Special Agent Bombardier and his canine partner, Ithaca. Thank you so much for being my guest. Oh, my pleasure. I'd like always to start out the uh, shows by having guests tell a little bit about themselves. And, and I didn't get any biographical information from you up front, Chris, so I'd love for you to tell me a little about yourself. How did you get into this field? Did you have dogs growing up? Just tell us about Chris Bombardier and then later how you became special agent. Oh, well, I've... Uh I've been with ATF for about 10 years, and basically uh, for the first five of those 10 years, I was stationed in New York as uh, a you know, special agent working pretty much uh, firearms cases. Uh, when the position came up for the canine handler, I, I was one of, I guess, a dozen applicants that put in for it, and uh, luckily I was the one that was selected. The, the, the uh, boss at the time, a gentleman by the name of Bill McMahon, had selected me for the position, and Mr. McMahon was a pretty smart guy. He uh, he brought one of the canine handlers in from uh, Rochester, New York, uh, who did a presentation. And uh, basically, you know, he, he the the handler went through what the the job entails and how much work it actually is. I think maybe eight applicants dropped out, so I think there was only ah. four of us left. <laughs> so. Uh, I got lucky. I was the one that was uh, was chosen. So I've been. I was the lucky one that's chosen. And to answer your question, that yes, I've had dogs my entire life. Ever since I was a kid, I've always had dogs. I always had puppies. I have a I have a, an extra pet at home as well. Predominantly, the dogs that we use are labs, and those were pretty much my pets growing up too. Were the labs. So yeah, I've had dogs my entire life, and um, you know, and believe me, uh, I look forward to. To getting uh, another lab when Ithaca retires in a few years. Okay. Well, you say you have an extra pet at home. I know. I know your partner is Ithaca. I got to meet Ithaca in New York at the Thriller Writers Conference. Wonderful black Labrador. Who is the other pet that you have at home? And do these guys get along? Is there any kind of jockeying for a position? Because the one guy's well, listen. I work with the ATF, and the other's just a home buddy. Well, actually, the other dog I have home is an 11-month-old. Uh, he's a mix uh, Dutch Shepherd and Boxer. Uh, he was a rescue. And, well, Ithaca was the top dog for a while, but he's so laid back, he really he doesn't care too much about what the other dog does. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like the uh, Butch is becoming the, uh, the dominant male in the house when it comes to canines. But, uh, <laughs> you know, when it comes to... Butch is always in trouble, and uh, you can do a whole show on Butch. He's one of those dogs that gets into <laughs> trouble. 
But uh, whenever it comes to you know any types of fights or anything between them, I I, I gotta stand by Ithaca. I gotta you know, right. decide. But you're outside. Come on, Ithaca. Let's go upstairs. They get along pretty good though, um, for the most part. Well, let me know a little bit about how did you and Ithaca go through the training. I know in the intro I looked up some information about this from the ATF's website, and it says there's a 10-week explosives detection training program. What all is involved in that? Well, it's it's 10 weeks for the handlers, but unfortunately for the canines, it's, there's an extra six weeks. Uh, what they do is the original six weeks are done by our trainers down there, and it, they, what they do is they imprint the canines on explosives. And basically what that entails is uh, exposing the dog to uh, the basic explosive orders. So, uh, and basically, since our, we do have a food reward system, uh, so what they do is they will expose the dog to explosive orders and then feed the dog. This way the dog can associate the uh, explosive order with getting fed. Based on that, that whole process takes about six weeks. And then the handler will come in, and it doesn't matter if you've been a handler for 10 years or if you're brand new. We all go through the same course, and it's 10 weeks. And based on that 10 weeks, what we'll do is that's where you become familiar with your canine, you bond with your canine, you actually take the dog back to your hotel room after the first weekend, and they will try to put you in as many different scenarios and search patterns as they can for that 10-week period, all leading up to your final uh, evaluation or your final exam. Uh, in which once you pass, you're certified and, you're, and you can go back out into the field with your canine. Okay, so did you have any input in choosing Ithaca as your partner, or was that pre-matched, or did they come in and say, okay, well, which human does the dog seem to respond best to? How does that process work? Well, it's basically an interview process. Um, they will, they'll ask you questions like height, weight, activity, um, how much do you work out, how physically fit are you. For the most part, they'll match the dogs physically or, um, I mean, the bigger agents, the guys that are like 6'5", will get the, the bigger canines, obviously. The guys that are in better shape and are more active will get the dogs with, with a quick or faster drive, or the younger guys will get you know the dogs that are a little tougher to handle because they have such a high drive. So there is a screening process, and for the most part, from what I've seen, I mean, they matched me perfectly with Ithaca. We were a perfect match, and for the most part, very rarely do you ever see a problem or an issue. They're very good at, uh, at matching the canine with the handler. So where do the dogs come from? I know when we spoke briefly in New York, you said dogs that had been bred or were in programs to be assistance dogs that didn't work out for one reason or another. Is that where most of these guys come from? Well, there's two agencies up here, the the Seeing Eye Foundation and the Guiding Eyes for the Blind. Um, We will take, and Ithaca was one of the Guiding Eyes dogs, Uh, we will take some of their dogs that do not pass their their program, that that fell out of the, uh, the Seeing Eye dog program, uh, we'll test them, and then we'll purchase them and bring them down to uh, Front Royal for training. Uh, there's also some other breeders, and there's some programs like Puppies Behind Bars that we'll get some dogs from as well. Uh, again, this is all after a, a testing phase to make sure the dog can, uh, you know, has some type of obedience and can pretty much, you know, do the work requested of it. Right. Now, yesterday, well, actually, the, the program that should be online even now with Lieutenant Arthur uh, Sikowski and his arson detection dog. He mentioned that training is ongoing on a daily basis for him. Is that the same for you in Ithaca? This isn't just you train the dog and now he's done and you can, you know, you go sleep for a while. 
Is training just, you have to do this on an ongoing basis, I'm assuming? Keep them sharp? Right. Well, the ATF uh, system is a food reward system where some canines, when, when, they, when they find their explosives, they're given a toy, whether it's a ball or a Kong or a towel. The ATF system is a food reward system. So what that means is when the dog finds what it's looking for, finds an explosive odor, the dog will sit. The dog gets fed. That is the only way the dog gets fed. The dog never eats from a bowl. It only gets fed when it's working. You must work that dog every day to feed that dog. So a day like today where if I don't have a search warrant, if I don't have uh, an operational a mission to go on, I have to go out and do a training scenario where I can actually put food into the dog, yet keep him operationally ready for any situation that might come up. So it's every day, it's seven days a week, 365 days a year, and it's, like I said, it's the food reward system that puts the dog on odor every day. Well, you know, it sounds like Labradors then are the perfect doggy candidate. I mean, this is a breed that will eat anything that doesn't move faster than they do. So that sounds perfect for them. Uh, does, I'm assuming then that Ithaca does not ever get treats just because he's a good dog. Um, if he's worked really hard one day, at the end of the day, he might get a carrot or you know, <laughs> something that's healthy. I actually will give him uh, the uh, marrow bones the, uh, from the butcher sometimes in the morning because they clean his teeth better than brushing with him. But oh, he'll, get, you know, like, he'll get some carrots or treats like that, but for the, never table-fed, never anything other than dog food or a carrot for the most part. And, you know, it's kind of bad when you have another dog at home that eats from a bowl <laughs> and he's sitting there watching them. So what kind of food uh, does Ithaca get? Uh, right now, he's on wellness, and I've changed over the years. I, I use a couple of different things. I use the wellness core now, and I'm looking at a couple of different brands. I like to change them up every now and then for him, but we use only the, the top-of-the-line foods for the dog. Okay. Now, I know you mentioned earlier about Ithaca will find the scent that he's looking for, and he will sit. That's, that's the way that uh, these dogs alert uh, yes, you don't want them to be uh, too aggressive, especially when you're dealing with explosives, where uh, some type of the narcotics dogs will on occasion will tear at and bite objects uh, with narcotics odors. Uh, the canines, and this is pretty much standard, regardless of what type of, uh, of dog you have or what type of system your dog's on, the dog will passively sit. An aggressive dog around explosives uh, could be a potential hazard. Ah, I hadn't even thought of that. Great information here. Now, I noticed when I met Ithaca, he was wearing a vest that had a badge on it. Is this standard for the uh, for the explosive detection dogs? Well, there are there are approximately I think thirty five special agent handlers like myself in the country. We all were issued vests. Um, the badge, his badge, is always on, and that's just to identify him that he is a police dog, especially when you're walking in public with them. Or when you're working with them, people see a dog, they immediately want to pet it or play with it, and, and that's fine. But as, when he's working, we tend to want to keep the public you know, away until the dog has finished what he's doing, he's finished his searches. So the identification, one, you know, it, it'll generally keep the general public away for a while, and they'll tend to, and even if they do come up, they know he's a, a service dog or a working dog, and they'll ask to pet him before, before actually approaching him during his searches. And I've had people, you know, in the middle of searches come up, hey, can I pet your dog? And I'd be like, well, give me a few minutes. Let me finish what I'm doing. And we always, uh, you know, we always oblige. 
Well, um, do you take Ithaca with you in school visits or other situations like at the at this writers conference? He was perfectly happy then to give a demonstration and sat you know lay down quietly until he was ready to be on on camera, so to speak. So, does he make a lot of public appearances? Just kind of uh, be a nice doggy ambassador for ATF? Uh, Ithaca, he does a lot of public relations stuff for uh, ATF. If there's a camera around, Ithaca is in front of it usually, and it's just the way it works out. But yeah, we do a lot of we do a lot of stuff with the schools, a um, lot of stuff with the Boy Scouts. You name it, we've probably been there. Major sporting events we've been to, and it's great having the labs because I mean, for the most part, they're docile, and and when they're around the public, they're fine. They're really not aggressive, and that's one of the main reasons that we have them. Uh, we use the Labradors. They're highly intelligent. They're readily adaptable to most or any situation, and they're docile. So, but yes, he goes. I take him everywhere. In fact, he is everywhere I go, vacations, regardless. I mean, I travel pretty much all over the country with this dog, and the way you see him, nice, relaxed, and docile, is the way he is 90% of the time. The only time he ever gets aggressive is when he's working, and that's only because you know he wants to eat. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, well, on that note, we're going to take a brief break and then continue our conversation with Special Agent Bombardier after these messages from our sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Give your dog some thought. With Dog Thoughts, it's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's why. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Hi. 
Hi, this is Marcy Davis and my service dog, Whistle, and we're your hosts of Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Working Like Dogs is the show where you can learn everything you ever wanted to know about working animals or working dogs. Whether you're a member of a working dog team or you've just seen a working dog or animal out at the mall or the grocery store and you're curious about how these amazing animals work with their human partners, then Working Like Dogs is the show for you. Join us for the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio. PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back. And again, speaking with Special Agent Chris Bombardier about his work with his canine partner, Ithaca. Ithaca is a black Labrador uh, boy dog. How old is Ithaca right now, and and how long would his working life be? Well, Ithaca turns seventh at the end of this month on uh, on the thirtieth, so he'll probably have about two more years in service, depending on the shape, uh, on his health, and, and what type of shape he is. And he's in great health and great shape, so at least two more years. And okay, what happens when he retires? Does Is he going to stay with you, or does he move on to a pet home, or is Butch going to accept you know, two other dogs in the house? Oh, that's the question. My wife keeps asking me what happens when he <laughs> retires. Well, he's not, he'll go, he'll stay with me, obviously. He will not. We keep up, for the most part, we keep our dogs. I mean, I spend more time with this dog than my family. I'm with him 24-7. I would never give this dog up. He's going to stay. He'll retire. He'll become a pet in the house. And, uh... Butch is going to have to accept it, and then he's going to have to accept probably the next dog in a couple of years. But by that time, Butch will be uh, he'll be a little more mature and and, and not so uh, not so <laughs> Well, and by then maybe uh, Ithaca will have taught him some manners too. And and with your experience with training, I know that you you certainly should have the skills to to make him a good a good partner in in the household. Now, I assume, of course, the dogs live with the handler. So, okay, personal question here. Does Ithaca sleep with the kids? Does he, I mean, is that cool thing to do? Or do you even want the public to know that this ATF professional dog is, is such a soft touch? Well, he's, he, he, uh, he sleeps pretty much wherever he wants. Uh, he'll, <laughs> come up, he'll come upstairs and he'll sleep in with the kids one morning. And every morning when I get up by 6 o'clock, He's on the floor in my room. He's got a bed right next to mine. But I've gotten up at 3 o'clock in the morning to get up to get ready to go to work, and I find him downstairs on the couch. Uh, <laughs> so he, he, he'll he sleep wherever he wants, and it's either the kids' rooms, the couch. But he always wakes up. on my, I get up at 6 o'clock, and he's always on my floor. That's where he ends up every morning. Okay. Well, I know Ithaca is your first canine partner with ATF, but have over the years, I'm assuming that you do refresher courses and go on. Has the training changed or evolved any since you've started working with Ithaca? Yes. What they've done is the, they're always changing the basic course. Um, they're always, and what they'll do is a lot of times uh, they'll add in, we'll, we'll see trends in explosives, whether it's overseas or what type of uh, explosive materials are used by terrorists, and we'll, we'll tend to focus our training 
or incorporate those types of explosives into our training so that the dog can readily identify that stuff. But the ATF has come up with a couple of very good uh, courses that they're, it's, it's almost like an advanced handler course, which I recently went through in, uh, in Huntsville, Alabama. And basically what that is just to hone your skills as a handler and as a team. Uh, so they're always evolving. They're always adding stuff. They're always doing new types of training. They're always bringing out new types of dogs whether it be new programs with other agencies to develop canines that can search for specific things, whether it be a homicide bomber initiative where the dog's looking for an individual in a group of people, or it's a dog that can work remotely based on hand signals to go down and check vehicles that were 100 yards away. Um, we're always coming up with, with new types of new ways to evolve the canine uh, uh, for use in the field. Okay, so so for five years you worked with ATF as a special agent before you had the dog, and now you have the dog. What are the advantages? What are the disadvantages to working with a canine partner? Well, the advantages is I'm doing what I love to do. Um, I'm working with you know I'm working with a partner that I've bonded with and that pretty much does what I ask him to do. I mean, it's it's a great job. It allows me the advantages. I travel all over the country. I'm always meeting new people. I'm always working with different agencies, whether it's in uh, New Jersey, New York, or, or Florida. It depends on wherever they send me. The disadvantages are is that it is a seven-day-a-week job. You know, it's like I, if I go on vacation, for the most part, I take him with me, and I still have to work that dog every day. That's a double-edged sword because, well, the good thing is the dog's always on odor. The dog is never going to forget the odor. The dog is always constantly being worked. The bad news is I'm the one that's got to work him. So uh-huh. when I'm on vacation or, or if it's a weekend, I still got to go out and work that dog. But you get used to it. It becomes routine for the most part, and it's for the last five years, it's just been a part of my life. I've had to, you know, alter vacation plans or, or change places that I've had to be because I've had the dog, but I'm pretty much used to it now. Okay, well, take me through exactly what Ithaca does. You get a search warrant, you're going out on a job. How does the dog work? What do you do? How do you set this up? And I'd, what I'd love to hear is if you could give listeners an example of maybe a wow case, something that happened, how the dog worked, and how you nailed a bad guy. Well, for the most part, um, anytime I'm doing a search, whether it be a search warrant where I'm looking for guns or if it's a big venue like the presidential inauguration, uh, for the most part, I will go through and check the location first. I am not going to put this dog in any type of dangerous situation that I myself am not going to be in. He's, for the most part, he is three feet away from me at all times. So if I've been in situations where, you know what, this is just too dangerous for the dog, I'll put the dog up and pretty much we'll have... You know, other agents and myself handle it. So after I do a walkthrough, it depends on what I'm doing. If I'm looking for firearms uh, in a residence, I'm going to do a more detailed search if I'm looking for firearms. Basically, firearms will have less of an odor than a big explosive will. So I'm going to hit areas, you know, where I think or where I believe firearms could be hidden. I'm going to hit them more often, smaller, detailed spaces. I'm going to put the dog's nose a little closer than normally. I'm doing a big venue, let's just say if I'm doing uh, a NASCAR race where a local PD asks me to come in and do some uh, sweeps in the morning or searches in the morning, again, I'll do my walkthrough to make sure there's no hazards for the dog. I will then, I'm looking for productive areas. I'm looking for areas where I think explosives might be hidden or where they might be left. And I'll pretty much search everything I possibly can without taxing the dog too much. 
and I'm looking for targets of opportunity. I'm looking for places where people might hide stuff or where something might be placed. And I'm pretty much working about a half hour each time, each shot, and then I'll put them up for a few minutes, let them take a break, and I'll go through, and I'll run them again. As for success stories, it's funny. One of my first week out of the academy, out of the Trikanon Academy, I, I got called to a house in New York. And when you first step out that first week, you're, I got called to go do a search of a house where my dog sat, I think, something like, he alerted 13 times. Wow. In one guy's house, exactly. What we found were in all 13 locations where the dog sat, we got 11 firearms and ammunition for those firearms and, all, and everywhere the dog sat. And one of the areas <laughs> was actually the, do the dog sat on a clock hanging on a wall. And I thought the dog, I was like, this dog's nuts. He's crazy. Well, <laughs> I, was, I was interviewing the guy downstairs. Apparently, we didn't check. He had the gun hidden in the clock upstairs, which was, wow. you know, the dog was right. I was wrong. Uh, we've had some pretty, uh, pretty. We've, we've had a lot of success with Ithaca. I would say in the last five years, I think we've covered something between 40 and 50 firearms. Um, we were always called out. Anytime there's a post-blast scene where an explosion has occurred, we can actually bring the dogs in to determine if an explosive was used or not. And one of my big hits, one of Ithaca's big, big finds was about six months ago. We had. Uh, we had a vehicle explosion, and they weren't exactly sure what caused the explosion. Well, I brought Ithaca in, and within three minutes, I told them, based on what he's telling me, an explosive was used or some type of compound was used in this vehicle. Apparently, the lab confirmed his results three weeks later that, yes, there was an explosive used on this vehicle. So, I mean, the dogs wow. are an incredible tool that, you know, that their nose is just second to none. Okay, so basically you're telling me the nose knows, and you have to listen to Ithaca and not try to second guess and say, hey, you're wrong, when he maybe, he maybe is, is getting something that you wouldn't otherwise have thought about. For the most part, you really, I mean, it's a cliche in the, uh, in the canine industry, but you always have to trust your dog. These dogs are capable of finding trace amounts where you can't see anything, but there's a trace of explosives or trace of firearms residue. So for the most part, if your dog, if you're, if you're searching the house of, of a suspected individual is making his own explosives, making homemade explosives, well, if the dog hits on the door handle, you know there's no explosives there, but obviously into touching explosives and touching the door, the dog is going to alert to the doorknob, and I've had, we've had plenty of cases where, where situations like that have happened. Okay. Well, what have I failed to ask you that you think would be really important for listeners to know about your work? Oh, I don't know. Um, it's just, well, well, ATF in general, um, we not only have the explosive detection canines that come out of front wire, we also have the, the arson dogs that come out as well. And agents like myself, uh, we will train uh, canines not only for ATF agents, but I think we have something close to, if not, close to 200 explosive detection canines in the country. So wow. we will train dogs for other state and local municipalities. And for the most part, the only thing that we ask is, hey, should we ever need any assistance from you? You know, we'll give you a call and we'd like to use the canine as well. And that pretty much works out very well for, uh, especially the small departments down in small rural, rural areas that could use an explosive detection canine that don't have the capabilities of training them one themselves. They can request one from ATF. We'll bring them in. We'll train the handler and the canine together. They'll go through the same training I went through. They will get recertified every year by ATF. And should we ever need them, they're usually available. And they're one of our biggest assets in the country is the state and local handlers. 
Wow. Well, I, and I'm assuming then also that these dogs are the evidence that they produce. Basically, they can be used as evidence in a trial. Yes, or any type of searching that, that you're there. Anything that you find uh, will be put into, uh, into the evidence log as being found by the canine. And you will be uh, expected, if needed, to, to testify at trial as to what your dog found, where your dog found it. And in terms, we have to keep records of everything we do. Our daily training logs are kept or computerized and stored down in the training center for that general purpose. Should a defense attorney ask, well, how do you train your dog or what did you do? I've got records for the last five years of where I've been every day and what I've trained on just to show the credibility of the canine. Wow, that's amazing. And I'm sure that in the, in the local municipalities and the, and the police forces that if they have these canines, it's going to save them an enormous amount of time and footwork. I mean, when the dog can go in and find a suspicious smell very quickly, that's uh, going to cut down on um, the time and the expense of, of otherwise having the investigation. Yes, and it actually works out great for these guys because, like, if they get the same training we get. We're all in the same class together. So everything that I learned about being a canine handler, they get the same thing. And for the most part, it works out good because it builds a relationship with that department. So should they ever come across something where they're not sure of what they have, handlers like myself, we're not only canine handlers, we're explosive specialists. We have very extensive training in handling explosives and doing explosive investigations. We're always available should that individual or any state and local uh, police department call for assistance. We're always available to go out and give these individuals a hand. Great. Well, we are out of time, but I would like to thank Special Agent Chris Bombardier and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the free Pet Peeves newsletter available from Shujai.com. Woofs and wags until next time. And be sure and tune in next week to learn all about how these wonderful ATF canine experts and handlers are trained. You own your furry wonders. The uh, idea of listening to this show, they aren't going to want to miss this. After all, you don't want them to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.